Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. The Chargers stay put in the playoff race after taking care of business in Indianapolis. The Broncos' timing in moving on from Nathaniel Hackett is curious. And how can you give the NFL MVP to anyone but Patrick Mahomes? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're Locked On Sports Today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. The LA Chargers are going to the playoffs. They beat the Colts on Monday night in an ugly, ugly game, 20 to 3 over Nick Foles and the Colts. Yes, Nick Foles. I, I think by my count, the 15th starting quarterback for the Colts this season. The Chargers get to nine and six, and they will play in January. David Drogemeyer from Locked On Chargers joins me now. And, and David, here's my question. Why, why is it always so hard for LA? <laughs> Because the Chargers are a flawed team. They're mm-hmm. a very, very talented team, and it seems like their defense is really starting to put it together. And they're kind of making these games a little bit ugly, but they have been dominant. These last three performances by Brandon Staley's defense has really been kind of been the, the identity that he's wanted to showcase um, ever since he left the Rams, uh, you know, leading the number one defense in the NFL. Charger fans have been clamoring for that type of effort, that type of performance. And it is finally starting to materialize, but it's a, it's always a heart attack uh, waiting to happen. Watching a, a Chargers game, a roller coaster of emotions. But the Chargers have been a resilient team, and they have now officially punched their ticket to the playoffs for the first time since 2018. What do you what do you attribute this turnaround defensively to from Brandon Staley? Because to your point, it they just look like a different group out there, and by and large, it's not. Yeah, it's it's been their ability to get off the field on third down, Peter. I mean, the last three games, it's been three for 11, three for 11. And then tonight, the, the 0 for 10 uh, against the uh, against Pretty the Colts. They, the, yeah, I mean, that's the way that's the way to play play defense. You got to get off the field on third downs and give, you know, your superstar quarterback more opportunities to get the ball down the football field. And, you know, no, no touchdowns for Justin tonight. But, you know, they get to the red zone and they, they've been running the football lately and it's been working. Austin Eckler has just been a touchdown machine. He gets his 15th and 16th touchdowns uh, of the season to lead the AFC. And it's just an absolute shame uh, that he is not a pro bowler. I still don't understand it, Peter, but um, Austin Eckler, all he does is score touchdowns. Well, I was not in charge of the pro bowl voting. So don't get mad at me, please, David or chargers fans. Um, (laughs) So this offense, yes, they won. They won by, by three scores, but to my point earlier about why is this always so hard? This offense at times feels like pulling teeth and and it shouldn't because Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, they're all really good. So can this team or how can this team be the version that it needs to be if it wants to be dangerous in the postseason? Yeah, I mean, for, for the Chargers, th- this offense needs to stop the, the lulls, especially in the second half. I mean, they have not scored a touchdown in the third quarter since week five of this NFL season, uh, which is absolutely astonishing. Um, Just the absolute uh, pure definition of futility, uh, which is why it's been really hard for this team 
to really establish any kind of offensive uh, momentum. Also, the play calling, I feel like, has not done any favors to Justin Herbert and his weapons. They, uh, you know, that's still an issue. I mean, you got to be a lot more creative. We saw kind of one creative play uh, where, you know, they did a little uh, throwback to Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert throws an absolute missile to Keenan <laughs> Allen. It's just, it's unbelievable to watch this guy play quarterback, the things that he is, is capable of doing. But it also begs the question, why aren't we seeing this more? And I think that's the reason why this offense and this Chargers team has been so polarizing and so frustrating because you know the talent is there and the expectation for more is there and you just haven't seen it. Stay up to date all year on the LA Chargers by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Chargers on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, the Broncos moved on from Nathaniel Hackett, but the timing it's curious. Before we get to that, Tua Tungavailoa may not play in the Dolphins' next game. May not play the rest of the season. We'll tell you why. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. The LA Lakers are underdogs to the Orlando Magic. Bet Online has the home Magic laying four. The Washington Wizards are home dog to the Philadelphia 76ers. That one a little less surprising. Bet Online has the Sixers four and a half point favorites. And the biggest point spread of the night goes to the Houston Rockets and Boston Celtics. Bet Online likes the Celtics by 14 at TD Garden. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa has entered concussion protocol. This is the second time during the 2022 season Tua has found himself in the protocol officially. Finns coach Mike McDaniels explained the situation on Monday. Uh, as far as the, the game was concerned, there was, uh, there was, you know, no one um, recognized anything uh, with with regard to any sort of um, hit. I can't really tell you exactly when it was. I'm not totally positive on that, um, but it was it was something that um, you know he, he met with the doctors. Uh, um, today and discussed um, some uh, symptoms and they uh, from from that on, as you guys know from there on that's uh, between two and the doctors and um, we'll, we'll move forward. If I'm Tua, I am taking a hard look at whether or not I want to keep playing football. Period. And if I'm the Dolphins, Tua does not play for me the rest of the season. I, I don't care. It's too important. Brain health is too important. Denver Broncos linebacker Randy Gregory and LA Rams guard Ode Abuji have each been suspended one game after the two traded blows following the Rams' 51-14 win on Sunday. When both teams met at midfield after the final whistle, Gregory and Abuji exchanged words with helmets on, and Gregory punched Abuji in the helmet. Abuji responded with a punch of his own before they were separated. Both players planned to appeal the suspension and Gregory issued an apology saying in part that what happened was not a reflection of my character. The post-game skirmish capped the game of undisciplined moments for Gregory. He was pulled from the game twice by then head coach Nathaniel Hackett. The first time was in the first half when Gregory was flagged after he threw his helmet after a Rams touchdown. The second time came when he was flagged for a late hit on Rams quarterback Baker Mayfield. Carolina Panthers cornerback J.C. Horn is set to undergo surgery on his broken wrist, which prompted a roster move. The Panthers are bringing back a familiar face, Josh Norman. He tried out for the team Monday and was signed to the practice squad. 
Norman was a key piece for the team's 2015 drive to the Super Bowl when interim coach Steve Wilkes was in charge of the secondary. While Carolina isn't ruling Horn out for the rest of the year just yet, they have a plan of succession in place. If Horn can't play, the Panthers will look first at Keith Taylor opposite C.J. Henderson. Wilkes said he would not expect Norman to start right away. The Panthers have a chance to win the NFC South, believe it or not, if they beat the Bucs and the Saints to close out the season. And in the NBA, the Brooklyn Nets have been all about playing basketball, not the drama lately, and it has translated on the court. They got a monster win over the red-hot Cleveland Cavaliers. The Brooklyn Nets take down the Cleveland Cavaliers on their home court, 125-117. I'm Adam Marvel with the Locked On Nets podcast. Ninth straight win for the Brooklyn Nets, setting a franchise record since moving to the borough. And this was another test for the Nets, having beaten the Milwaukee Bucks previously. Now they get the other top team among the Eastern Conference. And guess what? They find themselves ahead of them in the standings now. This game was a reminder that over this winning streak, the Brooklyn Nets are dictating terms to the opposition. They did a great job facilitating, great job with ball movement early in this one. When Cleveland surged before the break, it was Kyrie Irving with three triples to go ahead and tamp that down and give them a nice halftime cushion. When Kevin Durant ultimately fouled out in the fourth, it was Kyrie Irving that stepped up and carried this team across the finish line, holding off a 46-point performance from one Darius Garland. Again, the supporting cast with TJ Warren, with Royce O'Neal, some late clutch moments from Yuta Watanabe, and then the big block, the swat by Claxton in the lane dominating your starting center. That's what you want to see from this team. And the New Orleans Pelicans were not gracious hosts to the Indiana Pacers. You've heard me say it before, but after a 113-93 win over the Indiana Pacers, the New Orleans Pelicans might have the deepest team in the league. I'm Jake Madison, host of Locked On Pelicans and Locked On NBA. No Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, or Herb Jones. Three starters, two all-stars for the Pelicans in this one. Dyson Daniels, Trey Murphy, also out. That's five of their top 10 guys in minutes per game. And yet it didn't matter as the Pelicans were up by as many as 29 on the Pacers, who recently beat both the Heat and Celtics. Najee Marshall, formerly an undrafted two-way player did it all for New Orleans. 22.6 rebounds, four assists, four made threes. Jonas Valanciunas is an underrated big man, put up 20 and 12. New Orleans has a lot of team chemistry and you saw them in this one. Guys stepped up and slot in seamlessly as evidenced by 30 assists. Now after a four-game losing streak, the Pelicans just won their third in a row and are back to second in the West. Now let's see what they do when Zion and Ingram come back. The Miami Heat survived at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Without Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo, the shorthanded Miami Heat needed multiple guys to step up to beat the Timberwolves on Monday night, and that is exactly what happened. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Locked on Heat. Five players in double digits forcing 22 turnovers and a clutch three-pointer from Tyler Hero is how the Heat beat the Timberwolves 113-110. to Tyler Hero missed his first 18 three-pointers on a tough shooting night, but that didn't stop him from launching a contested three-pointer from the corner with 33 seconds left to put the Heat up by six. It was the biggest shot of the game, but a lot of the credit also has to go to Max Struess, who led the team with 19 points after finally breaking out of his month-long shooting slump with five made three-pointers on the night. With Bam missing the game and with a non-COVID illness, Orlando Robinson on a two-way contract came in off the bench and added 15 points and nine rebounds 
against Rudy Gobert and the Timberwolves. The win brings the Heat back to 500 at 17 and 17 and gives them a chance to salvage this four-game homestand on which they had been 0-2 up until tonight's game. They play the Lakers at home on Wednesday. For more on the game, Tyler Hero shot and other contributions, tune in to Locked on Heat on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here is another story you need to know. It finally happened. After a Christmas Day beatdown at the hands of the L.A. Rams with a backup quarterback, a 51-14 to meltdown, the Denver Broncos decided it was time to end the tenure of first-year head coach Nathaniel Hackett. He doesn't even make it through the season. Joining me now in his travels around the holidays on the road, Cody Rourke from Locked on Broncos. And Cody, this was a conversation, I think, for a long time, uh, both inside and outside of Denver from people following the league going, when, not if, it sort of felt like, why now? Yeah, this is a great point. You know, Peter, I think the one thing that's so crazy about this situation is that this happened in his first year as head coach for the Denver Broncos. All right. Granted, last year, you were able to capture this type of thing happening with the Jaguars with Urban Meyer. However, he was dismissed due to some disciplinary, not some good behavior. This is strictly performance-based. And for the Broncos' new ownership group, the Walton Penner family ownership group, who has taken care or who's taken over this franchise, uh, they did not hire a guy like Nathaniel Hackett. And I think what we saw yesterday, Peter, I don't know if you, uh, if you had to brave the storm of watching that game like I had to, unfortunately. It was, I mean, 17-0 in the first five minutes. This is an accumulation of the offense struggling, but you know what? Nathaniel Hackett you know, did not lose the locker room in any way, shape, or form. Players that I've spoken to love Hackett. We know this is a performance-driven industry. The unfortunate nature of the situation is that Hackett and the offense were not performing well, and while Hackett does deserve a lot of blame, Russell Wilson seemingly appears to be dodging some accountability as well. Well, part of that is because what a kind of accountability can you really levy at Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson is not the guy that, that the Denver Broncos traded for, or at least thought they were getting when they traded for him. There was a, a really great article um, by Benjamin Solak, who used to be our teammate over here at the Locked On Podcast Network. And the headline was the Broncos fired Nathaniel Hackett because they couldn't fire Russell Wilson. Just as a premise, how much of that do you think is true? Yeah, I mean, they, they signed a massive contract. You know, I think that's the thing, too. He signed a contract before the season even began that, you know, was kind of record-setting in itself. You know that covering the Aaron Rodgers contract. Yeah. So for Denver to make that decision, it was a big risk, paying Russell Wilson before seeing him play a single down, and that's exactly what happened. And unfortunately, it backfired for the Broncos because Russell Wilson has been really bad, Peter. He, he is performing at a career low he seemingly is making some really bad decisions with the football, which is really odd. And it, it's on display here, as we've seen so handily on Christmas Day. Russell Wilson has, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's suddenly regressed to a, you know, a standpoint we haven't seen previously. But that seems to be the indication right now for this Denver Broncos football team. They need more out of Russell Wilson. And unfortunately, they have not gotten that from him. Yeah, usually from aging quarterbacks, we see that that the mind still works, but it's the arm that suddenly goes. And it doesn't seem like that's the case for us. It seems like he's just not seeing the game well right now. And that brings questions, I think, about what the long-term outlook for this team is, or even just the short-term outlook. I think they're they're both part of this here because Russell Wilson 
likely going to be on this team moving forward. It would take a monumental cap hit, even in a post-June 1 situation, to move on from him. So if you're a, a candidate here, Cody, who, who could be coming to Denver with the understanding that, look, it's still one of 32, how appealing is this job right now, given where the roster is, given the financial uh, hamstring situation that Russell Wilson is presenting to this team, and given the current place with Russell Wilson, as the culture appears to also be deteriorating around Russell Wilson? Yeah, this is a great question, Peter. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I do not know how appealing Denver is, especially think about being a first-year head coach or not even a first-year, any coach. They're like, wow, they fired Hackett after just 15 games in his first season? That right there kind of makes it feel like there is little room for error for this Broncos football team. And for any coach who decides to try to take the job, I don't know if that would be the case. Even if the Broncos struggle after a new hire, they obviously, this would be a, a, the a coach that the ownership group is committing to for quite some time. But I don't know, like with Russell Wilson and that contract, I don't know if I would feel comfortable taking that job. Stay up to date all year on the Denver Broncos by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Broncos podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, Patrick Mahomes is the NFL MVP, and there are some people who will accept no substitutes. It me, people. The Kansas City Chiefs traded Tyree Kill to South Beach before the 2022 season. And there were people who said, now we'll really find out how good Patrick Mahomes is. The answer is he's still really stinking good. So good that Locked On Chiefs host Chris Clark and Ryan Tracy believe he is a shoo-in for the NFL MVP this season. Right now, Patrick is in the lead for the MVP race yet again. I don't see any way that that changes unless something just disastrous happen and I can't see that happening either so it comes back to me in a season where everyone downplayed his success possibilities because of the, the wide receiver core that we talked about earlier it just stands out to me that this is a maturation of a quarterback that has already been elite that is taking the next step forward in understanding how to contain himself and how to use all of his weapons rather than focusing on just two of them yes the offense still runs through Travis Kelsey but with everything else added, this is right where he needs to be right now and take this MVP regular season and take it forward into the playoffs. Do you think that he wins the MVP? If he doesn't, he's getting robbed. <laughs> so let's just get this part out of the way. Patrick Holmes is the overwhelming favorite to be the MVP. He is likely going to be the MVP this season. It would have gotten complicated if Jalen Hurts had not lived up to his namesake, and gotten hurt. Because if the Eagles had finished the season with just one loss and Hurts continued to be the driver of that offense, his improvement being the biggest difference year over year for a lot of that improvement. Of course, A.J. Brown coming in helped a lot of that. It would have been hard not to consider Hurts the front runner. In fact, he was the front runner as recently as a week and a half ago. Now it's totally different. Hertz is out. Maybe we'll miss this week. Now Patrick Mahomes, who maybe should have been the MVP all along, is back in the driver's seat in part because precisely the argument that's being made about Tyree Kill. But more than that, not only is he as productive as he's ever been without Tyree Kill, he is probably going to set a record for total yardage in a season passing and rushing. 
The Chiefs are going to be just as good, if not better than they were last year. The biggest reason being Patrick Mahomes. This is the kind of season that stamps you as an MVP. Take out the things that make you so great. Tyree Kill, something that helped make Patrick Mahomes great. Now, he still has Travis Kelsey. You still need some pieces, but it's not like the Chiefs have a terrific run game. Yes, they have a great coach. They don't have a great defense. It is all on the shoulders of your quarterback. And Patrick Mahomes is proven year in and year out. He can do it. Now he's proven it in different kinds of circumstances. And pick a metric you you like. Pick the advanced metrics, EPA per play, all of the fun acronyms you can come up with. He is leading the league without Tyreek Hill, with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and New York Giants castoffs. He is still the most productive quarterback in the league. That is because he is the best quarterback in the league. It is because he is the most valuable player in the league. And finally, the Detroit Pistons had played a good game. They built a 14-point lead with three minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. Little did they know they'd be part of a statistical oddity of epic proportions. The LA Clippers put together a furious comeback spearheaded by Great shooting from a former Piston, Luke Kennard, and forced overtime. The Clips won in overtime. Entering the run of play on Monday evening, teams were 2 and 12,873. 2 and 12,873 when trailing by 14 plus with three minutes remaining since 1996-97 season. The Clippers became the third team to win in that situation. Mm. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, who will claim the final open AFC playoff spot? Doesn't seem like anyone wants to take it. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today. <laughs>